0: What does it actually mean to be a bad bitch? I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and if you're asking me, it means being fully alive, unstoppable, kicking ass at the things that light you up, and being permanently unavailable for the things that make you feel like shit. Whether you're a boss bitch business owner or just someone who goes hard on your personal and professional growth, buckle the fuck up and get ready to be inspired, challenged, and take action. Let's do this, boo. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Bad Bitch Therapist Podcast. This episode is a little unique because the mic was flipped on me as I was being interviewed on my new friend Amber Price's YouTube series called Conversations About Adult ADHD, So she will be a future guest on this podcast where you'll get to learn a little more about her, but you can already tell from the conversation we have in this episode that she's awesome. So I will tell you a little bit more about Amber in a minute, but before we jump into that, let me do our fun little segment that I've been doing of watching, reading, loving. So I have been watching White Lotus, but I'm in the very early, like, three or four episodes into season one. So I'm still getting a sense of, I really like Mike White. I loved his show Enlightened, but still getting a sense of the weirdness of it. And I know everyone's talking about season two right now. And I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'll get there, but enjoying it so far. And also Avengers Infinity War, I just had to throw in that we watched that again the other night, we're doing the whole Marvel universe in timeline order, but they keep adding stuff. So there's plenty we've not watched yet in the timeline, all the new shows and stuff. But oh my god, talk about like one of the most depressing superhero movies ever. It is a rough watch you guys. Okay. Reading. I'm reading a book called Productivity for How You're Wired by Ellen Faye, which you'll hear all about in this conversation. And you'll probably want to immediately pick up a copy. I'm hoping that she will be an interview guest on my podcast here. If she's not scared away by the name, we'll see. Fingers crossed. I am loving playing around on TikTok. It's been really fun. And especially since for like, how long has it existed? Like three years now? I was like, I don't want to waste my time on there. But I maintain that I don't want to just be like scrolling on it all the time, but it is fun to, you know, check out some of the content on there. And I'm just really liking creating stuff and sharing it. And if you want to check out a really hilarious thing that happened to me this morning regarding my cats, you can check that out on my TikTok. Look for the video with my cats on the bed and then the one right after that, the one a little bit more recent than that one. I made both of those this morning and let's just say um, the sheriff's department was at my house. So that happened. And you can find out more in the TikTok videos. I'm at Bad Bitch Therapist on TikTok. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit more about Amber Price and then we'll get into the conversation. Amber is a proud ADHDer, creative artist, adventure seeker, and mama to a rescue pit bull. She's been a licensed professional counselor, certified art therapist, and behavioral behavioral analyst for over 15 years, and she also has 10 years of specializing with adults with mental health issues, ADHD, and autism. As an adult ADHD coach, her passion is helping adults struggling with ADHD to find more motivation, focus, and balance. You can find her online at ADHDcreatively.com and on Instagram and TikTok at ADHDcreatively. And on YouTube, you can search for conversations about adult ADHD. You'll find that series that I will be joining. There's currently, I think, 12 conversations there that are all roughly half an hour, and I can't wait to watch more of them. All those links will be in the show notes, of course. Enjoy this conversation with Amber Price.
1: All right. Well, welcome, Valerie. Thank you for agreeing to have a conversation about adult ADHD with me today.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah. So our topic today, I'm excited about, we're going to be talking about getting things done with ADHD, which is One of those big topics that I know I see a lot on social media, how do we get things done with ADHD? And it's also been a struggle in my life too about Mm -hmm. how do I accomplish all those things I want to accomplish? So I'll go ahead and get started with introductions and then we can jump into it and talk more about that topic. Let's do it. Yes. (laughs) So my name is Amber and I'm an ADHD coach and therapist and I operate ADHD creatively, which is helping people who are creative. So whether it's artists or dancers or writers, helping creatives with ADHD get things done and just deal with emotions a little bit differently too. So so that's me. Valerie, tell me a little bit about you.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, an LCSW psychotherapist. And by doing that for over a decade, I'm the founder and clinical director of a therapy practice group called the Gaia Center for Embodied Healing here in Nashville, where I live. I'm a yoga teacher, a podcaster, and as this is airing, my podcast has just relaunched. It's called Bad Bitch Therapist Podcast, and I'm a coach, and in my coaching work, I support women entrepreneurs and high achievers to go from scattered AF to focused and moving forward on their most important goals.
1: Awesome, and and I totally love that you are the bad bitch therapist. That is, (laughs) (laughs) that's just something that makes me smile I'm like, yeah, awesome. So Thanks. you do so many great things. And and I know that one of the focus focuses that I've seen you working on is specifically helping adults with ADHD get things done. And you have a couple of offerings related to that. And I'll ask you to tell a little bit more about that at the end. But I would like to go ahead and get started and jump into just the idea of for an adult with ADHD, what gets in the way of getting things done? So what have you seen with your clients and your
0: own life? Sure. I'll say, Amber, what doesn't get in the way? (laughs) True. Hilariously. I have to comment though for anyone uh, watching this on video that this ADHD adult is currently distracted by how beautifully your earrings match your backdrop. It is just (laughs) so gorgeous. I'm obsessed. Um, I want to say I did
1: that on purpose, but I apparently just like those colors.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I have sort of the double whammy of being a person with ADHD and an Enneagram 7. And either one of those, I think, has a propensity toward what I call squirrel brain or busy brain and so simultaneously i want to do all the things and i see this in a lot of my adhd clients and coaching clients but it, you know that's not very effective it's not a not a great strategy to try to do 87 things at one time so <laughs> who knew right so the the challenge really of getting things done is like that the need to kind of simplify to it's really a paradox because on one hand the whole Nike just do it is true like we do need to figure out how to just do the next right thing rather than letting the overwhelm or the paralysis win which often happens oh,
1: yes but the on the other paralysis hand it's real yes it's
0: real but on the other hand when we try to do that when we just try to do the thing without having the right kind of support, which could be medication systems, tools, accountability, therapy, coaching, it's a setup for failure. And then we feel like crap. And, you know, neurotypical folks can struggle with getting things done too, but there's just these additional layers that just makes everything a little more challenging for neurodiverse folks.
1: Oh, I 100% agree. And I love how you said all of that too. It's just, it is the 87 things that I want to do in one day, oftentimes for me. And I I hear that too, with some of my clients, like they're, they're, they are capable of a lot. They're creative, awesome individuals who get that hyper focus and they can like move mountains during their hyper focus. But during those times where there's like tasks, like, home tasks, dealing with bills, dealing with other things that are not so fun to hyper-focus on, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) that's where I hear a lot of people get stuck and get overwhelmed. And so it's kind of, I've talked about this before, but like our brain has the executive functioning skills, which are, that's one of the challenges for adults with ADHD is having, dealing with things like, organization time management dealing with things like prioritizing and planning those are those executive functioning skills that are super challenging for adults with ADHD it's not impossible and there are definite steps to help get you to be you know somebody who can get things done plan prioritize have an organized house it is possible
0: yeah. Yeah. But we just need more, more support and structure to make that happen. As you were saying all of that, like time management, productivity, prioritizing. I was picturing that gif of the woman with like the math, the calculus and like, huh?
1: <laughs> how do I yeah. do that magical thing that you're talking about? Yeah. I
0: know. So I I thought I'd start by sharing a little bit about this book that I started reading recently. I'm not even that far into it, but I was like, I have to talk about this book. It's so good. So it's called Productivity for How You're Wired by Ellen Fay. She is a past president of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. And it's mind blowing. So it's not written just specifically for ADHD, but as you can imagine from the title, definitely a very, very useful resource for those folks. And in fact, she did present on this topic at the 2022 International ADHD Conference. And apparently it was like sold out in the bookstore, everyone loved it. So I'm just super jazzed about this. I can't wait to get further through it. But essentially, It is the idea of the approach of it's never one size fits all, not even for neurotypical folks, but certainly not for ADHD folks. So she kind of combines your Myers-Briggs personality type. And if you're not sure what that is, it's okay because you can if you really want to go and take an assessment. But she gives you some kind of shortcuts in the book to kind of identify where you probably are. And then also your structure preference. So are do you focus first on the task or relationship? And also, do you prefer a high level of structure, moderate or low level of structure? And so with that, then you fit into one of four productivity styles that she's identified. And then of course, even within that, you can further customize and nuance that style to work for you. So really, it's the premise of do and use whatever actually works for you, not what you think should work for you. And even then it might change if something in your situation or environment changes, and then you have to reassess. So even though I'm still early in the book, I love that idea that you know, one size doesn't fit all. And real quick, and then I want to hear your comments on this too. Just one example that's early in the book is with an ADHD client of hers who her, the this woman's doc had said, Well, you know, to better manage your ADHD, I really think you need to get your body moving pretty early in the morning, like first thing if you can. And that works fine for some people, like ADHD is not a monolith, right? I actually love working out first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. That works for me. But this client was a night owl and she's like, like, mm, that's not going to work. She loves to sleep in. So what they did, what she did with this client was an experiment of, okay, we're going to say 6 a.m. We're going to say 12, 4.30 p.m., 7 p.m. We're going to try these different times and for a week, let's note how many times you actually exercise at that time and the winner was 4:30 and so it's like okay great so now we know that given who i am and how my life works this is what works for me but it was based on doing that experiment not what somebody else says is the quote unquote best time to do it
1: yeah oh i love that i'm going to totally get that book yeah <laughs> i love reading anyway so mm-hmm. everything you said so experiments i often am approached by individuals who want quick tips and strategies in one session, in one session, just help me fix my ADHD. And and I'm like, I'll try, but realistically it does take time to do that experimentation, to get to know your own preferences, to get to know like what you really value, why you're doing it. And yeah, it's not a one size fits all because I can offer something I can offer a tip that worked for my life and worked for other clients' lives, but it may not work for that the new person that I'm talking to. It's almost like medications medication sometimes too. Medications, research says it helps with ADHD, but the same medication doesn't help everyone with ADHD.
0: Exactly. And
1: yeah. And then also referencing, so individuals with ADHD are neurodivergent, but it doesn't mean that everyone who's neurodivergent operates the same way and and yeah i think it's been a struggle for me and i know a lot of people that i work with is that we're always constantly trying to match the people around us or like comparing mm. ourselves with well they get that done i should be able to get that done too exactly how they're doing it but i always and this is the level of acceptance and compassion i'm trying to have with myself mm. too, is that I'm different. My brain works differently. My heart and my emotions work differently than other people. And so I accept where I am and try to work with my strengths and try to work with like you're saying that Myers-Briggs test is kind of a, a test about what your personality is. And it also kind of meshes with your strengths too. Like, yeah, I, uh, yes, <laughs> I am somebody who likes piles versus organizing things neatly away in mm. file cabinets. And that's, that's addressed in the Myers-Briggs test. You're either a P or a J, I think, according to your organizational style there. Yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Valerie. It is something that working with somebody so that you can help know different strategies to try, experiment with. And then that'll give you so much insight into what is actually going to help you the most with getting those things done.
0: Right. And there are some strategies that are pretty universally helpful even so those have to be customized right so one of them is the idea of planning your day or planning your week right it's just helpful like i think if we were to look at a survey of people who are planning their day or not whether they're adhd or not that people would probably say, it helps to have a plan. Even if things don't go according to the plan, it helps to have made. But in a minute, when we talk about obstacles, (laughs) there's definitely some obstacles that show up with planning, but it's very powerful when you can kind of figure out, like, what is the way of planning that works for me? Is it, I have a timer set every Friday afternoon at 4.30 and I kind of do my rough weekly plan for the next week then, or whatever it is for you that works, but just to have some actual kind of plan, because otherwise- A lot of times, and this still happens to me when I don't have a plan, we end up working reactively instead of starting with sort of that proactive, creative, generative thinking that, again, you said, we're as ADHD folks, we often have an abundance of that potential. But if I get on my phone first thing in the morning, then all bets are off, right? I could be on there for an hour, like, and, and maybe some of that is creative, but it's not the best use of my creative energy at that time of day. Mm-hmm. So with that, another thing to be aware of is like, what is your kryptonite? So f- it might not be that for everyone, but for me, phone first thing in the morning or last thing in the day, my phone is not allowed inside my bedroom. I literally have an iPod touchscreen that I use for my, my alarm and I th- that way I can have my meditation apps on there and do a little sleep meditation, but my phone is not allowed in there and it's so helpful. And I even have, <laughs> it's sitting right here. I'll show you what it looks like. Uh, This is called a case safe. I read about it in Johan Hari's excellent book, Stolen Focus, Mm -hmm. and it's a uh, jail for my phone. So this little digital (laughs) clock on here, I can set for any time between like five minutes and two weeks. And I can put my phone in there and I can't access it. And if I really had to, I could smash this plastic thing open and break it. But (laughs) sometimes putting my phone in jail is literally necessary. So a couple more are co-working or body doubling. And you can watch in a minute. I'll tell you about my free training, but I talk about it more in that training. And then multimedia processing. So turn subtitles on. I have to have subtitles when I'm watching TV and movies because otherwise I'm missing half the dialogue. And also, it helps when I'm reading a book to have the audiobook or reading an article to have the audio dictation on as I'm reading. Yes.
1: I absolutely am a fan of audiobooks too, because it's mm-hmm. just, um, it works with my moving body. I have a little more of the hyperactive, I'm going to combine type of ADHD where I got, I have to move to keep going. So I love those tips that you offered. So absolutely. in that phone jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such a funny concept. It's also like I I don't want to punish my phone, but it seems like <laughs> it is. It's it's with everybody these days. Phones are addictive and it's instant access to all the dopamine that you could ever want. And so yeah, when you're trying to accomplish other things that are not related to scrolling social media or or looking up a million things randomly on Google, that phone safe sounds so so smart. so
0: smart. Right. And you could, if you want to be nicer to your phone, because I totally have a relationship with inanimate objects. You can also think of giving your phone a nap or putting it to bed, <laughs> like literally in Catherine Price's, book, right? yeah. how to break up with your phone. She talks about how she literally puts her phone in bed. I This was one of my ADHD rabbit holes. I went down after hearing her talk about that in an interview, mm-hmm. I looked online for an embarrassingly long amount of time to try to find a perfect dollhouse bed that would fit my (laughs) phone. And I ended up buying one. It was too small and I have not yet remedied that and bought a larger bed for my phone. So now it just lives in here in the office on the shelf at night.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Having a home for it and whether it's a bed or or a, a nap safe. <laughs> I think that's very smart because it, it is we can get lost and um I, I talk to a lot of people and I myself have big ambitions. I want to work on creative projects. I want to work on, you know, being a better artist and doing things related to my creativity. And yes, I can be creative on my phone, but it's it's different. Right. Uh, my goals are not related to being creative on my phone. So so having a home base for things away from, your creative space or away from where you actually are working on whatever, if it's writing a book, then your phone needs to be in the other room and your laptop needs to be on airplane mode. I even have met a few people who have purchased, it's like old school word processor, like things Ooh, that don't yeah. even connect to the internet anymore or they don't have that option to connect to the internet. So it's just mm. them, their thoughts and their writing. I and love
0: that. Me too, me too.
1: One thing in addition to everything you said cuz I agree to all that is the baby step kind of model. Oof, and yes. and that comes in handy with scheduling, but it also comes in handy with like taking our big dreams and breaking them down into small tangible steps to get there. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to be a digital artist who can animate things, but that mm-hmm. can't happen overnight.
0: <laughs> so Right.
1: So like right now, I'll just speak from my personal experience. I'm taking a class right now that each day I am learning to draw a different fruit. Yesterday, I'm learning to draw an apple. This day, a cherry with digital cool. art medium. Yeah. yeah, it's building on skills so that I can apply those to my own creative idea, but I'm not there yet. I'm not, it's baby steps. And and I think the same thing, if there's a big work project, for instance, if I have a deadline to get a PowerPoint and, you know, a certain amount of information together for my boss, then each day I'll work a little bit on it to put it together and try, try the hardest to not wait till the last minute. But I do work under pressure pretty well, but I have definitely tried to flip things around and recognize that causes me a lot of stress. Like I'm amazing last minute. I am I'm like creative and awesome last minute but I am also like my heart and my anxiety levels are like bah! yes exactly <laughs> so, and I I definitely want and I think most of the clients that I talk to too or most of the adults with ADHD they want less stress they want to feel happier with their lives and not Feel so stressed out or comparing themselves with everybody else. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things that Ellen Fay says in her book is that this is not about like oh just try to be more productive so that you can be a better worker for the man or like you know hustle and grind harder um no i mean yeah we might have goals that feel important to us but it but productivity and and figuring out your personal style of that is a quality of life issue because like you said if that without it without some intentionality behind that especially for ADHD folks, there's going to be a lot of stress. and we know the many, many ways that excess stress that does not get metabolized well affects our mental, emotional, physical well-being, our relationships, all of it.
1: yeah absolutely. We hold it in our bodies and and in our minds longer than we really think that we do. We're like, oh, I was stressed yesterday. I'm over it. Uh, sometimes it's accumulating. <laughs> sometimes those stress yeah. up and, and that's what can lead to burnout or people lashing out angrily or or just, as you said, affecting
0: relationships, affecting things. Mhm. Yeah. So when you mentioned the the baby step idea, completely agree and I think that's a good segue to talk a little bit about some of the obstacles that especially ADHD folks can might anticipate coming up in the process of trying to figure out their productivity systems or get things done. And cuz when I hear you say that I'm like, yes, I know that is true and also I have to watch my resistance to things like baby steps, because I think like you were talking about the hyper-focus mode. I mean, I can come up with an idea right now at lunchtime for a new thing. I can buy bedtime tonight. I will have... A website built, a logo designed, a trademark applied for. Like, I, you know, I'll just make it happen because I just get so excited in that moment. You might
1: not have eaten or gone to the bathroom or done anything else that was on your schedule.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so that's really exciting. And again, a superpower in a way, but life doesn't always work that way. Like, yeah, I physically, if I kind of, you know, don't take the best care of my body, I can do that in that short period of time. But there's a lot of other things that it just doesn't work that way. I cannot, or it's really not in my best interest to like with your, with your art skills, you there's only so much that you can fast track that you can't just sit and do 12 hours a day of that without like frying your brain and your are <laughs> right. So that willingness to go, okay, I can be with the discomfort of slowing down and just taking this next step. And that's really hard. And resistance also shows up, like I was saying with planning. Like I know that I would benefit from planning, but that inner teenager is like, I don't want to, I don't feel like it. So doing that parts work of me communicating with that inner teenager and not being like, you're an idiot, what's wrong with you? But like, hey, I get it. I get it. I know how you work. And like, trust me on this, this is, you're going to be glad we did this.
1: (laughs) And I'm going to, I'm going to break down parts work a little bit more. It is, uh, it's something I'm learning more and more about myself. It's not, it wasn't a focus in my counseling program, but I, I definitely believe, and it is that we have parts of ourselves. We have the adult kind of like, we know we should get things done logically. We know we should work on things. And like you're just saying, maybe have a part of us that's like our inner teenager who's like, F this, I don't want to do anything that somebody tells me to do. (laughs) And then the child part that just wants to be loved and is just like, do we have to do anything? Can't we just play?
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: What other app, like, how could you explain that or maybe add on to what I just said with relation to what is parts work?
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's some people may have heard of IFS or internal family systems, but that's only one sort of of conceptualization of parts work. It's not the be all end all, but essentially it is this notion that within us, we have these competing parts of ourselves that value different things, that want different things. We all know the experience of having inner conflict, right? Of being like, oh, I know that I should do this. And I and I do want to, but also a part of me really wants to do this completely opposite thing, right? Or part of me feels compelled to do this thing that I know isn't good for me or my healthy self doesn't want to do. So it really helps us to make sense of that conflict. And that's something that even, you know, every neurotypical person can have this experience of their internal parts and have to work with resistance and contradicting desires and things like that. But again, it's going to show up with our ADHD challenges. There's probably going to be some parts at play. And also sometimes like you mentioned that inner kind of wounded part sometimes just wants to be taken care of um sometimes my inner eight year old is like but i just want to stay in the bed and i again i don't want to be like no you're lazy get up you stupid right but I don't need to crack the whip, but I can say, I get it. I get it, sweetheart, but I got you. You don't have to drive today. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure you get a snack. I promise I'll give you a snack. And you know it's it's okay. We can do this, right? So it's that compassionate approach. Now, sometimes I don't take as compassionate of approach if it's my inner bully and she's like being a real jerk. I will tell her, please go see the door. But it really is a, a helpful way of working with resistance. And and we know how much resistance shows up with ADHD and getting things done.
1: Yeah, and I think it also addresses kind of the inner dialogue. I, as an ADHD or myself, I constantly have inner dialogue going on all the time. Like it's just nonstop thoughts, and some of those thoughts are very critical. And that is like an inner dialogue of a bully, like. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the inner dialogue of thinking, you know, thinking are worrying so much, almost like my mom used to worry about everything. And so it's almost like that part of me that's similar to my mom wants to go Mm -hmm. off and think about worry thoughts for an hour about things. So yeah, finding a way to counteract the discomfort of doing something new that doesn't feel 100% awesome yet those baby steps, being okay with knowing that there will be discomfort along the way of getting things done. There'll be discomfort in taking small steps and you can talk to yourself along the way, maybe not out loud, but in your head, you can be like, "Hmm, okay, I'm being very critical of myself right now. I want to change that.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. And to, call on that wise adult self that compassionate version of you and and it's funny you mentioned maybe not out loud but if you can <laughs> out loud because i'm not even kidding like i hear clients all the time who are like I started talking to myself like from that kind of inner mentor capital s self and they're like, it was so helpful because sometimes when it's just a jumble in your brain, it's like, it's just, it's just tangled up. So if you can put it on paper or say it out loud, it can be even more powerful.
1: Mm-hmm. Externalize everything. I think yes. I've read that in multiple ADHD books.
0: <laughs> yes. And
1: I try to live that too. And going back to your schedule, externalizing things you want to accomplish first, what's most important, put it down on paper, talk to somebody about it because like, I want to do these 5 million things, but what do you think is, is really something that fits most with me or fits most with what could be important in my life?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: You know, working with families or working with parents, sometimes their hopes and their dreams have to mesh a little more with their partner's hope and dreams and their family's hopes and dreams too. So what's, what is important? What are those top three things that you want to work on right now? Mm -hmm. Um, And then The last thing that I wanted to go back to as well is the obstacles, like you were saying, chasing new excitement is one of the biggest obstacles that I hear Mm. about is we want to get things done, but that thing, that thing that we're trying to baby step towards is boring right now. I got, I got bored with it. And so, but this is really exciting over here. Mm. And so That goes back to that brain chemical, dopamine. And sometimes we are trying to get that fix that chase the dopamine. And I encourage people that, yes, you can give yourself breaks. You can have fun. You can, you know, intermix back and forth, toggle between two different tasks to like build the momentum and excitement of getting boring thing done and also going into the exciting zone a little bit. But it does have to be that awareness of, oh, I think I am chasing the excitement instead of focusing. So there has to be a moment that we catch ourselves doing that too.
0: Absolutely. And and a concept related to that, that I find really valuable when i can overcome my resistance to using it is the idea of kind of a parking lot or you know a treasure chest or whatever you want to call it that essentially if i and this comes up a lot for me with like professional trainings and things like that that i'm like oh my god i need this training oh my god i need this course I and want to learn so, more and more yes. yeah more 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 next shiny thing <laughs> that i can put that link in you know my little document called the parking lot and be like, it lives here. Great. Now it is in my external brain. I know it's a thing I'm excited about for the future. It is not on my current list because on my current list, there's already more than enough things that I really need to commit my attention and time to. But I did put it there so that when I do have some bandwidth open up, I can go and grab something from the parking lot.
1: Yes, I I do that in the forum. So my parking lot is a a very simple app on my phone called a task list. And I have different folders on that little app that I have future ideas, future projects. And I list different things that I'm interested in doing in the future. I also have like music to look into, restaurants Mm -hmm. I want to go to. So all those things that get me excited that I don't want to lose because my short-term memory is not so great. So I don't want to also spend energy. And this is something I've noticed is like, I spend energy trying to remember something so much so that I, I lose what I'm actually doing. So lists, parking lots, externalizing all of those great ideas is so important.
0: Yes. Cause you don't have to do them all now, but do put them somewhere that is not just in your brain.
1: <laughs> yes. Cause there's a, there's a leak in mine. I don't know where it right. is, but. <laughs> well, this has been a great conversation. I so appreciate your time today, Valerie, and, and your enthusiasm about this topic is so present and it is just wonderful. If people want to get in contact with you to work more on getting things done, how do they do that?
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. So people can find me online at badbitchtherapist.co. Dot co. And you can see on my homepage there, there's a link where you can access that free video training for slaying your goals, even with ADHD or squirrel brain. And on TikTok, I'm at bad bitch therapist on Instagram. It's the same, except there's dots between the words and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Valerie K A Y Martin, because Facebook doesn't appreciate the cursing as much, which also, if you do get on my email list or after the training, make sure to tell your email that I'm not spam because you know, the colorful language might end me there.
1: Gotcha. Well, I, I, once again, I want to say thank you for our conversation today. And I really look forward to seeing what you do more in the future. It's really been a beautiful connection that we started here.
0: Agreed. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye Valerie. Hell yeah, friend, you made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star review to help other people find this podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to grab my free video training on how to get shit done toward your high priority goals without getting distracted or stuck by ADHD or squirrel brain. Just head to badbitchtherapist.co slash three tips. That's dot co slash the number three tips. You can follow my antics on TikTok at badbitchtherapist and on Instagram at the same, but with dots between the words. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and have a great fucking day.